It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I ask, who would have believed it? Welcome in. We are live here on this Monday. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. It is a Falcons win Monday right here on A to Z. A to Z brought to you by our friends at betonline.net. We've got a ton to do today. We'll mostly recap the Falcons game. I have some very disturbing news about the Braves over the weekend that I want to get to, but there is so much to do here. Give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnETL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. And we start with the Falcons because you wake up here on this Monday morning, and um, you know who happens to have the best, fifth best rushing attack in the NFL? Yeah, it's your Atlanta Falcons. You know who happens to be averaging 156.7 yards per game on the ground? Yeah, it's the Atlanta Falcons. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thunk it? You know, what's interesting about the way yesterday unfolded um, is very much that, uh, you know, it's a game that statistically they probably should have lost. Right? I mean, objectively, if you just sort of, Run down the list here, okay? Look at the areas the Seahawks are better in. They converted more third downs. They had more yards. They had more passing yards. They had fewer turnovers. They held onto the ball longer. Like, these are areas and metrics in a game that when you lose in those categories, when you convert fewer third downs, when you have more turnovers, when you have less sacks, you know, like, these are areas that usually will show you consistently that you're not on the right side of winning those games. So why did the Falcons win yesterday? Well, it's the rushing attack, guys. Because you know what happens in the second half of a game when you take a lead and you are able to run the football? Guess what happens? Yeah, you can drive the tempo and the pace of the game down and grind the other team into submission. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Because of the way the Falcons were able to run the ball, you know how many times the Seahawks touched the ball in the, in the second half? Three. Three stinking drives in the second half. One resulted in a field goal. One resulted in a punt. And oh, by the way, they might not have touched the ball a third time had Marcus Mariota not fumbled. They had three drives in the second half. That's it. They had three drives in the first quarter of this game. Right? Like, I mean, that's the difference. That's why they won the game. And that's what you have to understand. So for all you people who spent all last week whining about Kyle Pitt's target share, which he did get more, and no, he didn't get more because you all whined about it. He didn't get more because people in the media were were asking questions about it. No, that's that's not why it happened. They knew they needed to get him the ball. They knew they needed to put it in his hands, and it's not like they weren't trying in the first two games. It just wasn't there. It was there this week. Why? Because Seattle's defense is not very good. 
New Orleans is, right? And last week, you know, same thing. You're facing better defenses than what you were facing in Seattle. So, yeah, you know, I mean, all this stuff that played out, played out for a reason. And, and, and it worked. And this is the kind of game plan. You know, you talk so much about wanting to change the culture. Yesterday was a culture-changing game if they can continue to duplicate it. I don't care who is on the other side of the field. If you can run the ball with this measure of success, you will be in almost every single game, period. As long as your defense doesn't give up 21 quick points and you have to stop running the ball immediately, guess what? You're in the game. You are 100% going to be in the game. And I know today many of my colleagues in the media will focus on the passing game and they'll focus on Kyle Pitts because they don't know what they're looking at. But that's neither here nor there. I'm telling you, watching that game yesterday and the way they ran the football is the reason why they can be competitive. It's why they were competitive in week one. It's why they got back into the game were competitive in week two. It's why they won a game statistically they shouldn't have yesterday. Running the football, especially when you are a team that doesn't have uh, a high-level quarterback, is so critical. So, so critical. I want to get to Mariota here in a minute because, you know, uh, there's a certain amount of things with him you're going to have to live with that I just, I really don't want to live with at times. But we'll get to that coming up in a minute. And oh, by the way, I, I won't underscore the uh, the defensive play that they made at the end of the game and coming up with a big interception. Like, that was that was super important. Um, it was super important emotionally for the defense. It was super important for the team. It was super, super important to the, to the ego and the mentality of them being able to close out games. You know, like, this is one of those things where um, when you look at it objectively, it was so much more than just a game-winning interception. It was just something they needed to know that they could close out games and that they could trust themselves a little bit. And there's a, probably a collective sigh of relief that they got a W. But I'll tell you this much. In the big picture, that's a Falcons defense that only gave up three points in the second half of a game. Three. So even when you're trailing, if you only give up three points in the second half of a game, guess what? Your offense can get back in it. And, and without patting myself on the back, because, you know, pat away, but I told everybody before the season started, this team would be more competitive in games than people think. This team would be a lot more competitive than people think. Why are they more competitive? They got a good coach. That's really what it boils down to. He's not going to get any credit for it this year. He's not. Because at the end of the day, they'll have more losses than wins. But, you know, this is a team right now that continues to be more competitive than people expect. I mean, that's just what it boils down to. And I'm sitting here watching this whole game unfold yesterday, thinking in the back of my head that I'm going to have to send out the same tweet I sent out the first two weeks to remind everybody to take a 30,000-foot view with this team, that wins aren't going to be easy, that wins don't necessarily matter, that them being competitive is, is a bigger step in the rebuild. I, I felt like I was saying all those things again because I didn't, I didn't have a ton of faith that they were going to be able to stop Seattle. I thought a touchdown was imminent. 
That's what happens when you play Geno Smith. And again, not taking anything away from Richie Grant or the defense or anybody else. That's just kind of where they are, you know, or who the opponent was. So Falcons get a big win. Uh, It feels like a big win. It feels like a relief win and one that they absolutely needed. But don't underscore for a single second, guys, what it means to be able to run the ball this effectively. I mean, honestly, it's one of those things where when you are this kind of running football team, dare I say it, you got a shot to be a playoff team. If you look at the top 10 rushing teams every year, eight or nine of them are playoff teams. They just are. Because running the football is so critical to winning football games. Yeah, it's a passing league, and that's what everybody looks at. But guess what? Running the, ball, running the football is tried, tested, and true, and as old as a day is long. If you do it well, you're going to be able to win. There's that. All right, coming up here in a moment, um, you're going to have to learn to live with this. I don't want to live with it, and I don't think anybody should live with it, but it is what it is. First, a word from our friends at BetOnline.net, your fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your sports betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league. Of course, the NFL going on, college football there as well. So much great content on the website. Guys, I check it out every single week. You have Major League Baseball, final week of the regular season winding down or final 10 days of the regular season winding down. NBA and NHL getting ready to ramp up. Combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all right there. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, podcasts. They've got you covered on everything. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device. To learn more about the action happening today, bet online where the game starts. Okay. Um, I watched that game yesterday. And one thing is really starting to annoy me, but I I, I guess we all have to learn to live with it because it is what it is. Um, I will tell you that Marcus Mariota's inaccuracy or accuracy, or lack of accuracy, is really starting to annoy me. It's really, really, really starting to annoy me um, because this team is leaving yards and points on the board on a routine basis. I don't know about you guys, but there were two or three plays that I saw, and this is the difference in the NFL, guys, particularly one of them to Drake London, I remember, where he was sprinting down the right sideline, And he literally had to stop in his tracks to go back and wait for a ball to get him, get to him because it was severely underthrown. Now it's a completion. It was a first down. It moved the chains. It kept the drive going, all those things. And everybody claps. And it's like, yes, 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 yes. But you have to look a little bit closer at this thing because, you know, if he hits him in stride, that's a touchdown. Because Drake London is fast enough to make it a touchdown. I mean, the box score says that Marcus Mariota completed 65% of his passes yesterday. That's not really fair and accurate, pun intended. Um, They left, uh, he left a lot of yardage and plays on the board because he is not as entirely accurate as most of the quarterbacks in the league. And I remember sitting there, I was watching the game with friends, and um, and I was just talking about how, you know, frustrating it is because 
there should be bigger plays there and everything else. And then, and then they started bringing up bringing in Desmond Ritter, and he should play. No, he's not going to play, and you shouldn't bring in Desmond Ritter because I objectively trust most coaching staffs in the NFL that when they would have seen that Desmond Ritter was a better player and would have given them a better chance to win, he'd be starting. Like that's generally what it is. When a coach sits there talks about we're here to win ball games and this that, like every coach does, they don't pick the lesser player to play. That's not how it works. So Ritter is not the better option right now. Um, and, and whether he's more accurate or not, I don't a hundred percent know, but whatever the trade-off is, if he is more accurate, makes you net negative. So Ritter's not going to be in there, but generally, again, I've watched Mariota on several drives this year. And there were two or three that stick off the top of my head yesterday where he just flat out didn't, there's a difference in the NFL guys of a ball being this spot and this spot, you know, like just a hair behind you, as opposed to just a hair in front of you. That is the difference. Not only in a completion, but extra yardage. The game is so fast, and those windows to operate in are so small that uh, when you miss them, it's a difference between a guy taking off and running 60 yards for a touchdown and a guy getting dragged down from behind. I mean, if you can't understand that, then you're not really understanding the NFL and, and how slim the margin for error is in most of these games. So, again, I... You have to live with it because there is no way around it. But, you know, I, I think generally on, on the flip side of Marcus Mariota's inaccuracy is the creative ingenuity and, and you know, play calling of, of Arthur Smith that is not getting enough love and is not getting enough recognition. Because when you have this limited of a quarterback, the fact that he can get him to complete 65% of his passes or 63% of his passes, whatever it was from yesterday, 65, uh, is rather remarkable. It's remarkable to me because, well, I mean, how can you not give credit to the play calling to get guys that open that they need to be that a guy can miss throws like that and, and, still get completions out of it in first downs and net yardage and positive and everything else. And, and back to the running game as well. I mean, whatever Arthur Smith has concocted, that looks like a serviceable offensive line playing for the Atlanta Falcons. It has to be. You can't rush for 156 yards a game on luck. Again, especially against two of the better defenses in the league, rush defenses in the league, theoretically coming into the season, in the Saints and the Rams. Now, right now, the Saints uh, are near the bottom of the league this year, and the Rams are, where are they? Uh, middle of the road. So, no, actually, the Rams are actually really good. Under 100 yards a game. But my point simply is, is that you don't rush for 156 yards per game by, by getting lucky with offensive linemen. It's scheme. It's the way the play is drawn up. It's play calling. It's knowing situationally how to take advantage of certain spots and what defenses are going to do. It requires a lot of studying, a lot of hours, a lot of extra you know work being put in to be able to get an edge in those spots. And you have a coach who does it, period. Because when I go out to speak with Arthur Smith at the Monday press conference, that's the first thing I'm going to ask him. You didn't get better on the offensive line in the offseason. So why are you able to run the ball so well? Scheme. Right? Scheme. That's what it's all about. 
and you have to acknowledge it and recognize it. And, and again, limited quarterback, limited offensive line, hell, limited at running back because Cordero Patterson is not a running back. He's been converted into one. I'm glad that he's a Swiss Army knife and he's a Debo Samuel, whatever, but, you know, he was never brought here intended to be a running back. Well, I guess he was, but you get the point. Like, 31 other teams would have never said, let me go get Cordero Patterson to play running back. The only one guy in the league who said that, that was Arthur Smith. He's like, okay, we'll, we'll take that guy. We're, we're, we're going to make this work because he can work in my scheme. That's coaching, folks. That's coaching in the NFL. There are a ton of bad ones out there. There are some pretty good ones. And Arthur Smith is trending toward the good, the good guys, the smart ones. Just watch the game. Watch how it unfolds. You can't miss it. He is incredibly good at what he does. And, again, Falcons fans need to, need to appreciate the fact that he's got Marcus Mariota completing nearly 64% of his passes. And he's got a rushing attack that's top five in the NFL. Those are things that wouldn't wouldn't have happened because you can look at at Mariota's career stats and where they are. Nah. Tennessee, you ready? It's time in Tennessee. 62% as a starter, 61%, 62%. Then he had a bump up year in 2018 where he completed uh 68%. But then the following year again, 59%. So the limited times he played in Las Vegas, 60% and 50%. I mean, you know, one year he'll do two passes, but yeah, you get the point. Yeah, his first couple of years in Tennessee, especially the ones with Arthur Smith, guess what? That's when he got benched, too, um, in 2019, because he only completed 59% of his passes. You figure it out, guys. It's coaching. It's coaching all across the board. And Arthur Smith's really good at it. All right, coming up here uh, in just a moment, I want to get to uh, some very disturbing news that has me uber worried for the Atlanta Braves. That's coming up. First, a word from our friends at Coffee AM, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. Why? Well, first of all, they're roasted right here in Georgia. That's number one. But they're super fresh because they're roasted and shipped on the same day or very close to it. And when that box gets to your house, you're going to have that smell just smack you right in the face of all the delicious flavored coffees, select blends, uh, gourmet coffees, teas, gift sets, whatever it may be. It's all in that box. You can check it out online at coffeeam.com backslash locked on. Uh, and you get coffees from all over the world, countries you haven't even heard from. I mean, Coffee AM is just sourcing this stuff and getting it to you, and it's delicious. And it's the perfect way to start your day. Again, go to coffeeam.com backslash locked on and use the coupon code locked on at checkout. You'll get 15% off your first order of coffees, teas, and gift sets from the best small batch coffee roaster in America. That is Coffee AM. Okay. Uh, Funny because uh, I went to the Georgia game over the weekend and I was like running around all day on Saturday and I hadn't really had a chance other than, you know, catching up on some college football and everything to, to take in much baseball. Uh, and I and I found out yesterday morning that, uh, um, oh boy, we had some, some news over the weekend that uh, my boy, Spencer Strider, shut down for the rest of the year. Going to try to bring him back for the playoffs. Uh, this is very devastating news, if you ask me. Uh, this is not what you want to have going into the playoffs. 
Um, this is, again, I'll repeat it for everybody who didn't hear me say it the first thousand times and who still doesn't believe that it's the case. This is the guy with the best stuff on this staff and arguably some of the best stuff in Major League Baseball right now. And not only that, he's your game two starter in the playoffs. And not only that, he provides you with a one-two punch that is nearly unbeatable in most occasions. Now, all due respect to a 20-game winner, Kyle Wright, he is nowhere near the pitcher, in my opinion, that Max Fried and Spencer Strider are. It's just not. I don't think Kyle Wright puts fear in other lineups the way Max Fried and Spencer Strider do. And this one-two punch that you have for the playoffs, if it is in jeopardy, if Strider cannot go in the playoffs, guess what? I do not like this team's chances to get back to the World Series, especially going through a wild card. Just don't like it. I don't. I'm just being objective and honest about it. He is a difference maker. As I said, Freed and Strider are your Johnson and Schilling. They are your, your Pedro and Schilling in 04 with the Red Sox. They are those two level of pitchers that will dominate a game from start to finish and will make sure that you are on the right side of it. That's what they are. And I don't know that Kyle Wright brings that same level of dominance. Yes, he won 20 games. I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher. I just personally like Strider a lot more, as you guys know. This shouldn't be surprising to anybody. You know, I, I, I try to be as objective as I can about things. And when I look at Kyle Wright, um, you know, he won 20 games. But, you know, this is a guy that, that does not have the whip of Max Freed or Spencer Strider, right? He's, he's higher up there. You're getting more walks and more hits given up. He's got a lower K rate than both of those guys. Um, you know, clearly, again, if you believe in the war thing, his war is lower. His ERA is higher. I mean, winning 20 games is not easy in Major League Baseball. And it does mean you are a good pitcher. But there's a lot of that that is very much a uh, can be done with smoke and mirrors on a lot of occasions. I mean, remember, earlier this month, Kyle Wright had a four-inning, eight-run start that the Braves won the game on. Should that be a loss? Probably. Was it? No. I mean, Kyle Wright's been good over the course of the long season, and, he, and he's pitched really well. I just don't think he's as dominant as Strider, or Freed for that matter, and going into the postseason, it's a problem for me. That's just me. I'm not saying you have to agree. I, I think the one-two punch, especially, again, if they, they don't end up um, winning the division and you have to go through an extra playoff series, once you start getting deeper into starts, um, you know, you, you start to look at uh, or deeper into the playoffs and more starts you make, there's a, there's a bigger room for error. And I think night in, night out, Max Freed will dominate on more starts than Kyle Wright, and so will Spencer Strider. So Braves have a chance to gain a half game, get within one uh, as they take on the Nationals. Bryce Elder going to go tonight uh, as he continues to fill in for um, 
for what do you call it? Uh, for for the the not so uh, put together brave staff after the top three, and Atlanta doesn't even have a decided starter, uh, starter decided. Odorizzi's been an absolute gross, um, and so they may have to figure out what they're going to do because they can't put him on the mound uh, as they go forward. So, uh, and and the Mets series looming Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We'll see how it all shakes out. But uh, my guess is that – and the Mets open up a series with the Marlins tomorrow at City Field. Um, so they're off today. And, again, then we'll get uh, three straight games. Um, and we'll see you guys on Friday. But I think the Braves have an off day on Thursday. Is it only a two-game series for the Mets? It might only be a two-game series against the Marlins. That's what it is. It's a two-game series. It's a short two-gamer because they're off on Thursday as well. So both teams will have a rest day going into the series, yeah, on Friday. And my guess is probably the, the Mets still have a one. We'll see. All right, that'll do it for us here on A to Z on this Monday. Uh, we got a lot going on this week. Uh, we're going to dive more into uh, one particular player on the Falcons who resembles a former Falcon that everybody loves. We're going to do that coming up later on this week. So we've got baseball to get to, plenty of NFL stuff. And, oh, by the way, later this week, through three games, things I was dead wrong on in the NFL. We'll do that later on in the week as well. Stay with me and give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. Of course, Matt Marcuzino, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Don't forget, LockedOnATL is on your Roku TV, on your Amazon Fire Stick. Check us out there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give that thumbs up. We're free on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, you search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Appreciate you guys joining me here on this Monday. We will be back tomorrow for a Tuesday edition of A to Z. You guys have a wonderful day. Don't take any crap from anybody. See you. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.